Thank you for listening to the sermons from St. Timothy's Church. For more information, check out our website at stTimothy'sStores.org or visit us at 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings at the Nathan Hale at the University of Connecticut campus. Before we dive into the teaching, we just want to allow an opportunity for God to speak to each of us individually um, before he speaks to all of us corporately. So I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes and listen to God's word being spoken directly to you. And just pay attention to whatever word or phrases or emotions stand out. And after the reading, there'll be a little time of silence to reflect on what God is saying uniquely to you before we dive into the passage and find out what God is saying to all of us corporately. So, Father, speak to us through your word. We are listening with open hands, open hearts, and open minds. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope God spoke to each of you during this time and through this passage. And we're just so delighted to be worshiping with you all this morning at our very first St. Timothy's service. We're really excited to see what God has in store for us here, and we're so glad that you're willing to be on this adventure with us. And it seems only appropriate to kick off our very first sermon series by exploring the first century apostle whose name we carry, Timothy the youngest apostle, the apostle Paul saw as a precious and a beloved son in the faith. The apostle apostle who was entrusted to carry the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to the next generation. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the book of 1 Timothy. Paul's letter to Timothy, where he sends Timothy to do a major cleanup of Ephesus, which had become overrun with bad teaching, gossip, and greed. It's interesting to think about that other church leaders might have been puzzled by Paul's choice to send Timothy. Because not only was Timothy young, he was probably in his early 30s, 
um, which I know we would all agree is very, very young. Uh, but he was young enough that he'd never actually seen Jesus with his own eyes, which was generally a prerequisite for leadership in the early church. But we'll, as we'll see as we dive into this passage, our God is a God who sends us on big missions, sometimes before we think we're ready. Regardless of our age, regardless of our history, regardless of what other people think of our aptitude and our ability, God sends us out into the world to build his church and to love his people. God sent Paul to plant his church. God sent Timothy to fix his church. And God sends us to be his church, to love and to serve his people wherever we are and wherever we go. And this opening section of 1 Timothy puts a significant emphasis on the topics of identity and calling. The questions of who am I and who am I being sent to serve? And these are key, key questions that Paul addresses for both himself and for Timothy. And as we read this text, we're really challenged to ask ourselves as well, who am I? Who am I being sent to serve? So Paul has a very clear sense of who he is and who he is sent to serve. In the opening of this letter, Paul calls himself an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. This is quite a title, but Paul has no false modesty about proclaiming exactly who he is. So apostle literally means sent one or messenger. So Paul is identifying himself as one who has been sent directly by the command of God to do the work he's doing. He's God's messenger, so his words and instructions carry the authority of God himself. And who's Paul sent to serve? God had sent him to fledgling Christian communities all over the ancient world, from Cyprus to Syria to Macedonia, to plant churches and to give these communities the teaching and the instruction that they really needed to flourish. And roughly 10 years before writing this letter to Timothy, Acts 18 tells us that Paul had planted a church in the large and affluent port city of Ephesus, which today is roughly on the modern coast of Turkey. And then later, Acts 19 says that Paul came back to Ephesus a few years later because it had already become overrun by false teaching. And now, as he writes to Timothy, roughly 10 years after that second visit, problems with false teaching have cropped up again. So certain people in the community have put themselves forward as great teachers and as brilliant leaders, even though their teaching seems to be more rooted in speculation about controversial topics than the good news of Jesus Christ. And according to Paul, these leaders are just self-important fools who have vastly overestimated their competency and their authority. And we have to remember that as God's chosen messenger, Paul was an extremely important person in the early church, and the letter to him was a big deal. So even though the letter is technically specifically addressed to Timothy, it probably would have actually been read at a home church meeting because everyone was going to want to hear what Paul had written to their church. So it's kind of like Paul posting on Timothy's ancient Ephesian Facebook wall. It's really a message for Timothy, but Paul posts it because he wants all their friends in Ephesus to read it as well. So knowing that everyone is listening to this letter, Paul emphasizes that he's been sent not by his own choice or by his circumstance or by convenience, but by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. 
And just as God sent Paul not by choice or convenience, but by command, God is sending Timothy through Paul's command. And if we remember, Paul met Timothy on one of his earlier church planning trips. And he, and he saw Timothy's gifts and he recognized the call of God on Timothy's life. So he began giving Timothy opportunities and encouragement to help him develop an, into a leader and teacher for the next generation of Christians. And at this point, Paul had already sent Timothy on three other missions to churches around the ancient world. To Thessalonica, to Corinth, and to Philippi. And each time, Timothy had really proven himself to be faithful, to be committed, and to be very capable in difficult circumstances and situations. But if Timothy still had any doubts about his identity, or if the people of Ephesus were skeptical of his authority to correct him, Paul wants to make it very, very clear that Timothy is to be honored and respected as if he were Paul himself. So Paul calls him my true son in the faith, identifying Timothy as the heir to all of the authority that God has given Paul and an apostle in his own right. And Paul makes it very clear that Timothy, his true son in the faith, has been commanded to serve the church at Ephesus. And this command is important because Ephesus is not an easy assignment. The false, church, the false teaching at Ephesus seems to be coming from the church leadership itself, rather than just outside teachers who would be passing through and gone in just a few weeks. The reference to myth and genealogies suggests the false teaching was coming from Jewish church leaders, as a practice among some Hellenistic Jews was to construct elaborate, imagined genealogies for famous Old Testament figures like Abraham or David or Moses to make these leaders more important and more highly valued in the community. And Timothy's mother was Jewish, but his father wasn't. And Timothy wasn't actually circumcised until he was an adult, which suggests he didn't grow up observing Jewish laws and was probably not deeply connected to Jewish community or his Jewish identity. So these Jewish church leaders in Ephesus who are so proud of their Jewish heritage that they try to forge connections between themselves and great Jewish leaders like Abraham and Moses and David would have absolutely dismissed Timothy as ignorant and inconsequential. He was definitely not someone they would have seen who had any authority to lecture them about the Jewish laws of Moses. But regardless, Paul sends Timothy, a young, half-Jewish outsider, to Ephesus to teach respected Jewish leaders what the Jewish laws actually mean. So what it means to be righteous. And to whom the law applies. And he does this by paraphrasing the Ten Commandments, which these Jewish leaders should have known by heart. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not lie. God uses Paul to command Timothy to tell these much older, much more established leaders that they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm, which is not exactly an easy task. But God sends us, and he sends us regardless of our age, regardless of our background, and regardless of other people's perceptions to do really important, difficult, way out of our comfort zone work in the world. He sends us to call out mistruths and half-truths that contradict the redemptive love of the gospel. He sends us to call those around us and above us to higher moral standards in all areas of our lives. He sends us to be unintimidated by status and by stature. 
And we are sent to do the work God has given us wherever, whenever, however he sends us. God sent Paul, God sent Timothy, and God sends us. But in order to go where God is sending us, we need to know two things. We need to know our identity, and we need to know our calling. Just like Paul and Timothy, we need to know who we are and who we are sent to serve. Paul knows his identity is an apostle, a messenger for Jesus. And from the very beginning of his letter, he establishes Timothy's identity as his true son in the faith. But think about yourself for a minute. What is your identity? If you were writing the letter to Timothy, how would you have introduced yourself at the beginning? A. What? Of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. How would you fill in that blank for yourself? What is your identity in Christ? Is it worshiper, teacher, mother, father, innovator, prayer warrior, church planner, intercessor? What is the identity that is unique to you? And think about not just your identity, who you are, but also your calling, who you are being sent to serve. Are you sent to serve the business world, your family, other students, UConn, the hungry, the lost, the lonely? For whom does your heart break? What injustice is intolerable to you? Or for whom has God given you deep compassion and empathy? It's hard to believe that I came to UConn 13 years ago. But it really has been 13 years, and when I came, I really thought I knew my identity. I was a teacher, a teacher for Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. And I thought that after I finished my Ph.D. at UConn, I'd be sent to some small, cute, liberal arts campus somewhere to teach 19th century American literature, love my students, and live out my identity. But obviously, a little liberal arts college campus is not where God was sending me. And 13 years later, I am still here. I thought UConn was my training ground, where I would go to learn God's call. But as it turns out, it's my mission field. God is sending me to serve students, but not in the way I expected. I am a teacher sent to teach students in the church, not in the classroom. So I am called to UConn as a church planner, not as a professor. And if I'm honest, it's taken a lot of encouragement from the Pauls in my life to be able to make that switch and really let go of where I thought God was sending me and embrace where he actually is sending me. And just as a side note, just and from my own experience, everyone needs a Paul or a Paulette to encourage them in their identity and in their calling. I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't had Paul's so many places along the way speak God's word to me and encourage me to pursue the things that God had put on my heart. So look for opportunities to be a Paul to other people, to speak out loud the gifts and identity you see in them, and give them opportunities to live out their calling. Sometimes that means stepping aside so that they can shine or just giving them the encouragement they need when all the doors seem to be closing in their face. 
I really, really hope that each of you has had a Paul in your life. But even if you haven't, you still always have the chance to be a Paul to someone else around you. But so if you aren't sure who you are and who you are being sent to serve, let me just say you're in exactly the right place. We want to be a church that helps people figure out their God-given identity and discern how and where God is inviting them to live that identity out. And if you are sure who you are, and you are sure who you are being sent to serve, let me also say you're in exactly the right place. We want to be a church of people that go and do exactly what God has called us to do, no matter what big, hairy, audacious calling God has given us. We want to be a church full of Pauls and of Timothys, a church full of people who are encouraging and supporting each other to step out into God's plan for their lives, and a church full of people willing to go wherever God sends them. And why is this so important to us? Why is identity and calling so important to us at St. Timothy's? And why was it so important to Paul 2,000 years ago? And the answer is that because in times of major transition, we need to cling to who we are and where God is sending us. 2,000 years ago, the early church was in the middle of one of the most significant transitions it had ever experienced to that point. The generation who had seen Jesus, who had walked with him and talked with him and touched him and ministered alongside him, were dying out. And Jesus still had not yet come back like they expected he would. And those like Timothy, the next generation of leaders, they had to believe by faith what they had never actually seen with their eyes. Which is a huge shift and a scary shift and leaves the church vulnerable to confusion and chaos and disarray. And also, unlike the original 12 disciples, these second-generation leaders weren't exclusively Jewish. Timothy is marginally Jewish, and increasingly the church would be home to Gentiles of all backgrounds and ethnicities, which is a giant shift, because initially the thought was that Jesus had come to to save Israel, to save the Jewish people. And to welcome Gentiles in was very controversial. So when Paul wrote his letter to Timothy, the church was in a huge moment of transition. And Paul needed Timothy to know exactly who he was and where God was sending him, so that his faith and his feet would not falter when everything around him was changing. And you've probably noticed the church today is in a giant transition again. Sex scandals have devastated the Catholic Church and so many Protestant congregations. Church leaders have been accused of abuses of power that have eroded the trust and confidence of their communities. And the handoff of leadership from the Pauls to the Timothys is really crumbling because Pauls have lost their authority and Timothys have just lost their interest. And so many churches are shrinking and closing. And so not unlike the early church, the global church today is in a transition again and really struggling to maintain its identity and calling amidst so much pain and so much disappointment. And probably on a personal level, many of you are in transition as well. You're students and trying to figure out what the next several years hold 
or you're starting a new job or a first job or your new parents, your grandparents, your empty nesters. You're stepping away from what was familiar and comfortable into a future that may be uncertain and probably fairly overwhelming. And your circumstances and your situations are changing, but your identity and calling are not. And in transition, we need to know that we know that we know who God has called us to be and who he is sending us to serve so we don't get lost and we don't get discouraged. Transitions can be such vulnerable times when we're lonely and scared and exhausted and we need to cling to who God says we are so we don't start believing false truth about ourselves and others and making decisions that we will regret for the rest of our lives. Like Paul and Timothy, your God-given identity and calling are not dependent on circumstance or convenience. As Psalm 139 says of God, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has given you an identity and a calling that are not dependent on your current circumstances. He knows who you are and he is sending you to serve. He knows who you are and who he is sending you to serve. And his plans for you are so much better than you could ever ask or imagine. So will you stand with me as we pray that God would speak to each of us this week about our identity and our calling? And Father, we thank you that you made each of us special and unique. That no person in this room has the same calling, has the same identity, has the same relationship with you. So we just ask, Father, that in the the days to come this week, that you would speak so clearly and unmistakably about the good plans you have for us. About who you created us to be and where you are sending us. Father, we are willing to go. We are ready to go. We are longing to hear from you. So speak to your children, Father. Lead us through this transition. Guide us in this season. We want to live out of the identity and calling that you have uniquely set aside for us, Father. So speak, Father. Your children are listening.